Get your day started right. This is VOC Breakfast with Gulam Fakir and Sabira Sheikh voice of the king. Mixed reactions to last night's sonar that was a lot more focused than previous years as the president zoned in on four key areas but it seems the speech did not leave South Africans feeling a bit more optimistic about the litany of problems plaguing the country. Opposition parties had very strong reactions last night and on this uh, this morning I want to chat to Natasha Mazzoni, the DA Chief Whip of the Opposition in the National Assembly as well as the Good Party Secretary General Brett Heron. Uh, Natasha good morning, thank you so much for your time. Good morning, it's lovely to be with you. And then also, Brett, um, uh, welcome as well. Good morning and thank you. Natasha, let's start off with you. Did the Sonas uh, have enough detail, the State of the Nation address? Did it have enough detail? Was it meaningful and uh, is it deliverable? Well, I think that it's a Sona that certainly was packed with the most content of, of any Sona we've heard before. We went from hearing about smart cities to electric cars to you name it, it was in that speech. And I think that this should have been a very focused Sona speech, and it should have focused directly on the, 2019, uh, the, the COVID-19 pandemic and exactly how the rollout of the vaccine plan was going to happen, give us exact dates as to when we could expect the vaccine to come in, tell, tell the country exactly who uh, we can expect the vaccine to be coming in from and and how the rollout would happen. I think that would have been the, the right thing to do. I think that the country at the moment is in, is in a state of flux and, and limbo where, where people are, are now literally you know, rather terrified at the thought that nations across the world are hitting uh, and going beyond the 50% mark of, of uh, having vaccinated their nations. And South Africa hasn't even started uh, vac- vaccinating the very first person yet. Also, what I thought was, was, was a bit rough was giving South Africa this grand story about um, this change in the, the uh, rollout of electricity across the country. When we're in stage three. And I think the most telling thing uh, last night was that it was costing 150 million rand to keep the lights on during Sona mm. uh, by ESCOM uh, to to stop stage three load shedding happening while the, the president was delivering his Sona address. And uh, 150 million rand an hour worth of diesel was being was was being spent to keep the the lights on. Uh, but we were hearing about electric cars being rolled out and we were hearing about how electricity was going to be diversified. But no 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 fixed and firm dates given again. Just just we, you know, I think the most positive thing coming out of there where we were told that Bidwindow five and six would be open by August and I think that was about the most positive thing we heard. But I think in general, rather pie in the sky. And definitely someone wrote that speech uh, to make it so full of content that it was, you know, a bit hard to drill down to the facts. Mm. Now, I'm going to get back to one of the, 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 the points that uh, he um, had a strong focus on was unemployment. And I'm going to ask you to share comment on that. But before we do that, Brett, your assessment. Well, I mean, we, there, was, there were four things that the president identified um, as a priority. And we, we had four things that we wanted to hear. Um, uh, to start with, South Africa is not going to progress um, out of the, um, the current state of, of, of crisis that we're in unless we firstly manage the, the COVID-19 pandemic in a way that allows us to return to social and economic activity. 
Um, so we also wanted to hear in far greater detail about the rollout of the vaccine. Um, the second thing that we wanted to hear about was securing our um, electricity and energy generation uh, capacity so that we can end load shedding. We cannot year after year after year hear promises about um, extra um, electricity generation capacity and it doesn't happen. Um, we thought that there should be some focus on radically, improve, radically improving our education system so that young school leavers are equipped for participating in a new economy. And then the fourth thing that we, we wanted to hear about a lot more about and which wasn't really covered was that the financial support that the country would provide to those who are ready and willing to work but for whom the economy provides no opportunity. Mm. So in other words, a basic income grant. He, he actually spoke about the, the, well, you're talking about long term, but he extended those grants. We're going to talk about that also a little bit later. But Natasha, as in, as in previous years, um, Ramaphosa had a strong focus on unemployment. Now, as we know, you know, there are so many industries that have been devastated by this pandemic, right? Now, the DA earlier this week also spoke about the need to support businesses. Do you think he delivered mm. on this? I don't. I think um, small and medium enterprise businesses have been all but decimated in our country. And I think that, uh, you know, if one looks specifically, for example, at your, your average spaza shop, now that we're going into these rolling blackout stages, it simply becomes impossible for spaza shops to operate because they can't go. They, you know, they, they work on a, on a day-to-day rotational basis with their stock. And, and if your fridge turns off for three hours at a time, your stock is ruined and then you, you can't sell your stock to buy stock for the next day. So I, I think that um, the... the the decimation of, of the, the spaza shop, of the entrepreneurial spirit, certainly uh, didn't come across well at all. Um, I, I agree with Brett completely uh, uh, about, um, you know, these, these social grants that, that we were told about last night. In actual fact, it, it, you know, we were told about an extension, but we all know very well that there are people that are still waiting for uh, their TERS payout and their yes. UIF payout yes. dating back to uh, last year, August. Mm. So the extension seems more like a catch-up rather than an extension because there are people that are, are still waiting. Yeah. So, um, like I said, whoever wrote the speech for the president uh, definitely uh, penned a, a, a bit of a spin on something that is incredibly crucial and an incredibly dire situation that, that we never thought would get this bad. But um, certainly not a lot of hope coming for, for small and medium enterprises. And I think the, the business community as a whole expected uh, the, the president to you know, congratulate them for in, in the darkest of times and, and during during in the worst possible time, many managing just to keep their doors open, only now to 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 have uh, stage three load shedding just come in and wipe them out. And I, I don't think that there is much more that that uh, small and medium enterprises can take from the government. And uh, certainly, this extension of grants is nothing more than a catch up. Yeah, do uh, you know what? Last night's speech also, if you were to look at it right, uh, did it give enough or bring enough confidence to the international community, investors and rates agencies, etc.? Well, that, that remains to be seen. I think um, there wasn't a lot of focus on um, on the structural reforms that would, that would um, give rating agencies the confidence that they are looking for. But I think that there was enough in the macroeconomic space um, that is encouraging. Um, there was a lot of um, information around investment, um, and the focus, I think, is correct on industrialization, on manufacturing, and on infrastructure. 
um, and those industries or those sectors are the sectors that will absorb um, lower-skilled um, unemployed people. So I think there is some good news there. Um, and I was very pleased that we didn't hear anything about the fourth industrial revolution. Mm. Natasha, you mentioned, you know, last night, you know, 150 million rand to keep the lights on, you know, and, and, and you spoke about ESCOM. Let's talk about that just a little bit quickly. You know, um, the, the, the president's bit on ESCOM seemed more like a copy and paste from last year. Is this enough to reassure the country of an affordable, reliable energy supply? Certainly not, and you're quite right that it, it was a copy and paste of last year. And even you know, even the, the, the news that we were pleased with hearing about the opening of bid window four, uh, five, and six, these are things that we've heard before, but they are yet to materialise. Um, there were a few comments made about um, the introduction of IPPs onto the system, but certainly no way far enough uh, for our liking. Um, we also heard that ESCOM is looking at being a zero, a zero emitter in terms of, of the, the gases that we produce, um, the noxious gases that we produce and, and, and the environmental problems that, that ESCOM causes by the year 2050. Well, quite frankly, by the year 2050, the technology is going to be of such that coal will probably be absolute, absolute, you know, and and the electricity as we know it will have, will have advanced to such a level that, of course, 95% of the world will be in that position. So I don't think, um, what I did think was scary was the, the fact that the president openly said that ESCOM, uh, because of, of the way it has been decimated by uh, previous boards that have been in control and, and you know, those that, that were in the highest structures that, that sought to, to loot and, and pillage from, from the state-owned entity have caused a situation where we can uh, look forward, well, not look forward, but unfortunately have the, the outlook of at least five years of, of, of load shedding going mm-hmm. on because we don't have enough electricity taking us through uh, for the next five years. Yeah. So load shedding and rolling blackouts are going to become the norm, which it should never be. And, uh, you know, the fact of the matter is the economy grows when there's a secure energy supply. Right. So last night we were told, for example, that the automotive industry is, you know, increasing its footprint, which sounded very good. Um, and electric, electric cars would be uh, manufactured in South Africa. But it's rather disturbing that the electric cars won't be able to charge in South Africa because we don't have enough electricity to keep them going. Mm. So uh, many a mixed message uh, coming from, from, from the so-called good news that, that the president is giving us because there is simply, you, you cannot build an economy if you don't have a secure energy supply. Right. Now, you know, you mentioned about the vaccines, right? And uh, um, I wanted to get your comment also with regards to whether or not he delivered enough. I know you mentioned earlier, you know, that you wanted dates, you wanted times, you wanted a timeline to know what it is that you're working with. Although he said, you know, that the Johnson and Johnson and it's going to be rolled out in two weeks. And I wanted to get to to, to just share another um, another little bit more um, around that. But before we do that, you know, Brett, last night the president also spoke about, uh, you know, he mentioned about the centralized SOE model that is being implemented in New mentioned something about this earlier as well he's talking about having this being implemented this financial year what's your take on this given current crisis around this well i think i mean i would have liked to have known a lot more um, about what the centralized soe agency was going to do or what what the purpose of it is um, we've also heard for many years about the turnaround of soes and um and and so the, so the story repeats 
annually and nothing happens. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't feel like you shared enough about what the purpose of this centralized SOE um, agency or model is um, and, and how it will actually um, address many of the challenges we have in the SOEs. Um, the SOEs are already governed by um, you know, the, the, the government, good governance laws um, that, that operate for companies. Um, and so if it's about improving governance, I don't see why a centralized agency can do more than what the regulations and the legislation and King 5 and all that already require of companies in terms of operating um, within the law. So I think that that's a, you know, I mean, I think it's, it was an attempt to appease South Africans who are concerned around SOEs, um, but I would have liked to have heard a lot more about how we're going to restructure SOEs. Mm. Now, um, time is, is running out with us, and uh, I think I'm going to ask one of you, um, one each, still just one more question that I wanted um, to, to you, you to share focus on. And I think, Natasha, you know, that we've spoken, and I think I understand what uh, your issue is or what the DA's concern is with regards to the timelines of the vaccine. I think we've touched on that, but we know that the president is also under pressure from an array of forces within the ANC itself. Now, next year, you know, there's another elective conference that's going to be taking place. How much do you think is at stake for for Amaposa politically with this speech? Um, Look, I'll be honest. I think this was a a make-or-break speech for the president last night. And it was the president's chance to tell South Africa whether he is, in fact, the president of the ANC or whether he is the president of South Africa. And I don't think that in a time of crisis, one looks to appease uh, your political party. I think one looks to appease a country, especially a country where we haven't started vaccinating while we lag behind so badly with the rest of the world. Mm. Now, we were told last night that 80,000 vaccinations are arriving in a couple of weeks, and, and that was supposed to keep us happy. Now, just to put things in perspective, and, and we are on Voice of the Cape, um, Let's think about how many healthcare workers there are in the Western Cape. There are 35,000 registered health workers in the Western Cape. 80,000 is a drop in the ocean if one looks at it from that perspective. And the way the vaccine should be rolling out is you go from your your healthcare frontline workers to your most vulnerable in society, and and so you carry on. So 80,000 is really a, a drop in the ocean. Um, And I think that for the majority of the country, we saw the speech as a political uh, sort of, uh, you know, it it was it was really a, a, you know, I don't don't want to be rude about the president because I do understand the pressure that he's under. But Mm. I I think he he capitulated to, to his party's request. And I don't think that he came out strongly enough against his own party, especially when it comes to corruption. And given the fact that corruption is so rampant and so much of the money that should have been going towards the vaccine uh, has now been, been wasted and, and looted by, by people within his very own party and, and by cadres that have been deployed by the ANC, I think the president proved last night that uh, his interests lie within the ANC and not within the betterment of South Africa. Right. Now, Brett, also, you know, just one last question to you as well, Brett. You know, a lot of analysts wanted the president to be clear about the protection of the constitution in light of Jacob Zuma's disrespect of the Zonda Commission. I mean, uh, Natasha just spoke about corruption as well. Did Ramaphosa use this opportunity, Brett, you know, to underline the commitment of government that he that that he leads to the constitution? Well, I think that he made um, some comments that which he, he had to make around um, the fight against corruption. 
Um, and um, for me, I think there were, there were, I mean, obviously corruption in the Jacob Zuma uh, position on the on attending the Zondo Commission and the Constitutional Court's order against him is important. Um, but I think there were far more important things that he had to address in the speech. And so for me, the fact that he didn't deal with Jacob Zuma in the speech was not a huge disappointment. I wanted to, him to focus on, on turning this, this country around um, and focus on particularly on electricity generation. So I think that um, the, the state institutions will deal with Jacob Zuma and ultimately with the, um, the offenders um, and the numerous offenders of state corruption and state capture, um, and that um, the president's speech last night touched just enough on, on corruption and reaffirmed his commitment and his government's commitment to dealing with it. The proof now is in whether they will do so. Let's leave it at that. Natasha Mazzoni, DA Parliamentary Whip, as well as Brett Heron, Good Party SG. Thank you very much for your time this morning on Breakfast 9 to 1.3 FM. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Now, just before the news, we spoke to Brett Heron of the Good Party, as well as Natasha Mazzoni, who is the Chief Whip for the Democratic Alliance in the National Assembly. I want to bring in also um, Veronica Mente, who is the EFF's National Chairperson, to get their uh, feedback also and reaction to Sona last night. And uh, obviously, to comment on this, uh, we've got Veronica Mente. And now, usually the Red Berets would be disrupting Sona, so it was rather a quiet evening for them. Veronica, thank you so much for your time this morning. Morning on breakfast 91.3 FM. The president had a rather ambitious plan uh, for the economy last year, which was thrown into disarray because of this pandemic. Did you oppose his speech, in your opinion, paint a more realistic picture of our current situation? Uh, good morning, Gulam, and uh, thank you for having me. Good morning to the listeners. It's, it's, it's rather very disappointing given the disastrous state that the, the, the country is in, there was no plan that was uh, giving us any direction as a country in terms of how do we revive our economy, how do we get ourselves out of this state. There is, as you have indicated, that he has given a sauna that had so many plans, but none of those plans have kicked off. We cannot then put the blame entirely on COVID, because even with the COVID, when the country was locked down completely, it was locked down so that the health sector is capacitated. Did we capacitate the health sector? Did he give any indication that our health sector status has changed? Nothing has changed. We are taking kids during this COVID to schools that are dilapidated. Did he give a plan on how are we going to build more schools? How are we going to better the existing schools, the mud schools that the Eastern Cape still has, the temporal schools that the rural provinces are, are having? There was no such plan. When it comes to the economy, he, he, he was just talking. But you can hear that there's actually no plan. When you are going to be reviving the economy in a country of this, uh, 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 um, it's where you have minerals, 
where you have forestry, where you are dominating and, and other countries in, in, in agricultural products. But you as a state have no plan on how you are going to help people produce agricultural products, how you are going to help people build industries, how you are going to help people create jobs. During COVID, we lost over 2 million jobs in a country where there was already 10 million people out of jobs. So there was just no plan at all. We are given plans of automotive that it has created not even 2% of the jobs. Mm. And that plant is, 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 is also depending on subsidies from the state. Yeah. Never and he is not giving us a plan on how is he going to give people land so that they are able to create businesses. Many, many people are kicked out of malls, of shopping centers, of the spaces they were renting, especially small and medium enterprises. They, cl- they have closed down. Some were closing down even before COVID, simply mm. because there was no support. During COVID, then, there was no support. Small business department, a minister who he has shifted now from small business to act in a presidency, had failed to utilize the budget for COVID in order to support small and business enterprises. And then today we must believe that he's got a plan. Okay. That is an operation. Now, now, Veronica, also, I mean, you spoke about uh, education and you wanted, wanted to see him speak a little bit more about that. And we know that there are massive inequalities in our education system. But I want to park that for now. I wanted you to, to, to share comment with regards to, you know, do you think the president needed to have much more greater sense of urgency and commitment, you know, to time frames with regards to ESCOM, for example? Certainly. And what, they, what he's giving us with ESCOM is rather very disappointing. And if this country is going to allow that type of business that they were talking about yesterday of splitting ESCOM into three segments, that of, of generating and transmission and then distribution, who is going to generate? We are currently fighting the issue of the IPPs, the independent power producers, who are milking ESCOM. ESCOM has no issues of finance. The finances of ESCOM are milked by the IPPs. The IPPs in this country that are helping ESCOM to produce electricity, right now they are not producing even 10% of the, the energy that ESCOM is distributing. However, the budget that goes to IPPs is way more than half of their budget because they cost themselves a unit 200, uh, 225 cents, yet ESCOM sell the unit for 95 cents. What business sense is that? Mm. Now, lastly, just as a point of departure, we know that the EFF is very unapologetic about gender-based violence. The president announced a private sector-led GBV response fund. What's your assessment of this part of the speech? It's, 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 like I said in the beginning, it's very disappointing when it comes to GPV, it's even worse. He is referring to the national um, policy that they are busy with in terms of, um, of, of gender-based violence. When you go to that NSP and strip it apart, it's supposed to be supporting the law enforcement, the social development, 
uh, justice system and synchronizing that system so that you as a, a victim, when you leave home, going to a police station, you are not going to be the very same person that has to go to justice to apply for a court interdict against the monster. You are not going to be the very same person that must drive yourself to the doctors for assessment if what danger do you have. You are not going to have to be the one that goes to social workers yourself. Okay. Social worker must be found at the police station. That NSP does not talk to that. It doesn't talk to how are we going to access court orders against these people. It doesn't talk to how are we going to give the court orders to the mm. monsters. It's, it's, it's just a paper. People sit together and because that particular NSP is also in, in, in the Committee of Women in Parliament, but because the ANC is in majority and it uses majoritarian, it always passes senseless policies that do not help the people. Right. When it comes to GBV and that $12 billion, look at it, split it apart and divide it into this aspects of assisting women and children. He is not talking to ECD on how to safeguard children in the ECDs because most children get raped when they go to the early childhood development schools. They okay. get abducted by, now, by strangers and get raped. But okay. he's not talking to that how are we going to safeguard them. Okay, let's leave it at that. Veronica Mente, EFF's National Chairperson. I appreciate your time this morning on Breakfast 9 to 1.3 FM and you go well, ma'am.